0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Oh, hit! Shot! Oh, baby, what a play! Woo-hoo-hoo. This is Jeff Bedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive of lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss the Chiefs' closer-than-comfortable win against the Texans and preview the Christmas Eve game against the Seahawks. Joe, the Chiefs have won the last two games, and we, as we saw during a crazy weekend of football, that's not easy to do. But they narrowly beat two bad teams, the Broncos and Texans, and allowed 27 and 24 points respectively to two woeful offenses. Joe, what's your level of concern, or is a win a win, especially given all the crazy uh, endings from last weekend? Well, I mean, look, I don't want
1: to, I don't want to be too overly positive with the whole win is a win, but it 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 is true. You win by one point, you win by a hundred points, the W goes into the column the same. So, you know, I do give the Chiefs a lot of credit for being where they are right now. Um, I, I guess you my my the thing that i'm concerned about is they haven't really played like a complete game i don't want to say because i've been saying perfect game and that's that's a that's the wrong term right i should you should never use it no one's ever going to play a perfect game they haven't played the the complete game yet where they've hit on every aspect of uh the three teams special teams offense and defense and done things to say you know get as close to perfect as possible limit the penalties limit the turnovers, you know, to zero, you don't want any turnovers, you know, so you want to limit penalties. You want to eliminate, you want to eliminate turnovers and, and you want to, you want to be able to hold a team to, you know, a lot of punts and a lot of three and outs and a lot of change of possessions, right? That's how you, you win ball games consistently. And they just, I don't, they just haven't played that complete game that I'm looking for out of them. I think they have these flashes of brilliance offense, On defense, you know, the big turnover and overtime, right? They they got the stop when they needed it. But there's just something about, you know, their ability to stop teams in the in the red zone, which is which I think is a concern. Right. I think I believe they're ranked very low to the bottom. The last statistic I saw, they're ranked very low uh, in the NFL on on defense with allowing teams to score touchdowns inside the red zone. I think, I think once teams get in the red zone, I think the chiefs are somewhere around somewhere between 60 to 70% of the time teams are scoring touchdowns inside the red zone. And that, that has to stop, you know, that, that can't, you're not going to beat these teams as, you know, as Marty used to say, the fit gets tight at the top of that pyramid as you go through the playoff March. And they're just not going to be able to do that, Jeff. And, um, You know, offensively, I think it's got to be the turn, you know, so defense, if I had to pick one thing, just one thing on defense, it would be stopping teams in the red zone from scoring touchdowns and making them kick field goals. And on offense, it would be no fumbles, right? I think Pat, look, Patrick's going to get a ball tipped. They're going to throw some interceptions here and there, but I think, I think fumbles are controllable at least 80 to 85% 85% of the time, you can control fumbling the ball, taking care of it, four points of pressure when you're running with it, it, you know, not putting it in the right hand when you're going down the sideline, doing all those fundamental things that you do to protect the ball. Um, because, you know, we were talking on, on 810 this morning and about, you know, Bill Moss, you know, was bringing up how Marty used to when we used to play the Seahawks, right. Who were actually coming to play, which is very appropriate you know, Marty used to call it like fumble week or Seahawks week. And every time he'd have, he'd have running backs walking around with footballs in their hand, guys would be swatting at footballs in the locker room and the meeting rooms. Like you had to take just to put players in that mindset that the Seahawks were a turnover crazy team and they knew how to get the ball out of running back's hand. So maybe, maybe Andy needs to pull out an old Marty Schottenheimer piece of the playbook and, and, and do a Seahawk no, weeks, sleep. you know, yeah. have the, have the, have the, Running backs and, and receivers just walking around with footballs all week, and during every day, like walking around in in the locker room, everywhere, and everybody tries to bat the ball out, and you know, just make them think about it. But those are my those are my two things: one on offense, one on defense.
0: Uh, great, great anecdote there about Seahawks Week. We taught talk, you talked about the two fast of the game, Joe. I, I'm curious your take on the third area of the game, special teams. Dustin Colquitt, you know, went online and talked about how some of Harrison Butker's issues um ha- ha- were a result of actually the holds from Tommy Townsend what he was doing incorrectly about the laces. Joe, I know you really know special teams, you're a long snapper. Have you been seeing any of that or I'm just curious your take on this?
1: Well, I mean Look I, I know the injury, you know, Bucker's old injury from from the beginning of the season can't be can't be helping him, right? I mean I th- I don't I don't know if a player's confidence level can go that fast to or or, or down downplay that fast, right? Where he's struggling to make, you know, a 51-yarder which, you know, for him, man, I got to say that was money, you know, a year ago. Like 51, 51? Wow. 51, dude, come on. That's nothing. And, um, you know, so it's gotta be some of the injury playing into it, but yeah, I mean, if there's, if there's a small tweak right there that, that, that Tommy Townsend's doing or sh- should be doing or not doing as far as, as the laces go, that's a fine motor skill, man, you know, being able to kick a football that's, you know, shaped like a, an oval, it's got a, Tiny little tips sitting on the ground. You got no tee anymore, right? Like, remember back in the day, you used to have the kicking tee for the extra points and and field goals. You don't have that anymore. you're kicking off the ground. And, uh, you know, that's, there's a lot of fine points that have to be executed on to, to make a field goal. And meanwhile, you got, you know, 11 guys rushing at you. So, you know... Yeah, it could mean something. It could mean something to to Harrison's little bit of a slump here that maybe there's something something off between the hold. I mean, obviously, Winchester's been snapping a long time. I think he, from what I've seen on the videos, he's getting the laces to where he needs them to be for the holder to put it down so Harrison's not kicking the laces. Mm -hmm. It's something in Townsend's – motor skill there as he's putting the ball down he's he's moving the laces to maybe a point where harrison doesn't really like them. so you know it's um you know it's it it could be it could be a factor and you know it seems like they've got the the returner thing down now it seems like we've got our sea legs there we haven't seen any knock on wood haven't seen any problems in the last couple weeks but you know i think special teams it's it's it looks like it's it's that part right now that we can't really count on the three points, maybe the way that we could, you know, inside the, you know, the from the 40 yard line in.
0: My my concern, you talked about, I think, the good points of the turnovers and stuff. My concern is is actually, um, and again, I think the Chase uh are maybe the most complete team in uh the NFL still have a great chance at home field advantage, great chance of winning the Super Bowl. I'm worried about the secondary. Um, I feel that the safeties. Don't make a lot of play. You know they're, they're mm-hmm. not kind of. We got so spoiled by Tyron Matthew being such a ball hawk, a game changer. Um, I don't think Justin Reed, Thornhill, and Cook are like that. Just the amount of fumbles and interceptions they're generating. A, you know, I don't remember really kind of any of those type of big plays. Um, and then we knew that the 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 cornerbacks are so young back there. So that that's Joe. That's kind of what I'm looking at going forward. Is that that going to be there? Weakness, but again, I don't mean to be seven straight division titles. I don't want to be like gloom and doom here, but that—that that was that's what I kept thinking about the last few games here. Well, Jeff, every team, you know, you
1: nobody's have seven perfect. straight titles. So nobody's right. Yeah, nobody's perfect. We we kind of opened the show with that, right? Nobody's perfect. Nobody's, you know, no one's going to have a perfect roster, right? Because in these days of the com- complex salary cap. You know, you're going to have holes here and there that you have to fill constantly. And, um, you know, I, I think t- focusing on the defense, um, it's got to be, right? Every, even the strongest of teams, the dynasties of the Patriots and the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era, and the Cowboys and Troy Aikman. And, you know, you go back to the the, the Bills, uh, four straight Super Bowls. I don't know they didn't win one, but, you know, they still went the four straight Super Bowls and dominated the AFC um, in the nineties, like every team's going to have a weakness, right? Even those teams had something There's good. They're not going to be, no team is going to be perfect. And I think this definitely is the team's Achilles heel. You know, I, I think it's the, it's the one part that gives me, keeps me up at night. I think,
0: I think, That's, I so think so you this team... that you're in agreement there. Cause I know initially our, our concern, I think was about like the running game. We're feeling pretty good about that now I think so you're you're with me kind of if there is a concern and nobody's perfect but that the secondary for you is is the, the
1: De- issue. definitely definitely and I think even I think even the linebackers are doing a decent job of getting into coverage I, I think you know the middle part of the field the underneath is, seems to be pretty secure uh, they, they those guys can make tackles mm-hmm. in the open field it's to me, it's, it's the youth of the cornerbacks, right? This captain obvious statement and just kind of repeating what you said, it's, it's the youth of the, of the corners and, and just like their lack of experience. And, and it's that coupled with not having, I think the leadership that they had in the past in the secondary with it, the safety position. I I think that's, and that's, I'm going to use that term leadership. They're just, it's, it's, you can have all the talent in the world, playing those positions but if you don't have somebody out there as a field general kind of being that leader picking players up cuz you know playing corner man you're on an island there's a hot white spotlight on you when you are when you are playing corner and you have to you have to have some leaders behind you to get you going pick you up let you know that look, you're not going to make every play. You're going to get beat, but you gotta, you gotta just, you have to be what's Ted Lasso say? You got to be like a goldfish, right? It's got to forget real quick about the stuff that happens and just keep playing. And and I think that's that's I think that's what this team is missing in the secondary. They're playing with a lot of confidence up front. You know, the front seven. I mean, at this point, the way they're playing together. I mean you'd almost you'd almost put this front seven and then with Carloptis, you know, and Dunlap rotating in. I mean, you you'd almost have to put them up against anybody. I would. I mean, at this point, you know, this this late in the season, having seen enough football and enough other teams play, I'd put that front seven or eight up really against anybody. It's it's really at in the in the defensive secondary that it causes me pause.
0: Joe, uh, great analysis there. And it's funny too, because how you look at how kind of Teams change and stuff. You know, I think even during the Chiefs um back-to-back Super Bowls, my biggest concern was the linebacking core. I thought they had trouble against the run. I thought they had trouble with like screen passes that the linebackers weren't fast enough. Like you said, with Bolton and Gay, so sort of really upgraded the unit. And then that that um front four, Chris Jones is as good as you get. I mean, I I think he's even had a better year than Aaron Donald, who is a you know, a transcended he's a generational talent but he's been hurt a couple games i think chris jones is might be the you could argue the best defensive tackle in football so that front seven you're right is really good and i think we'll look back right now the secondary is really young they're showing a lot of promise a few years from now you know chris jones might be older and stuff we might be looking at the strength of that defense might actually be the secondary once these guys have a few years under the belt so it's just interesting how how things change that so worried about the linebackers now. That's I feel the position of strength, and now it's kind of the secondary that 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 uh, is going through a little bit of growing pains. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, during the holidays, Joe, uh, we think of family and loved ones. And before we go to our ad, I just wanted to mention Grant Wall, the acclaimed soccer writer who's from Kansas City and went to Shawnee Mission East, uh, passed away earlier this month at the World Cup. And before covering soccer, he wrote about college basketball for Sports Illustrated. When I was just starting out as a journalist, I was a huge fan of his. So I was working at a gym right after college. And the client um, of mine knew his family and put me in touch with him. So I sent him some clips. And even though he didn't really know me, he always read them, you know, often on planes when going from one sports destination to another. He was giving me pointers. Um through many of my articles, he was really an early mentor to me. So I, I just wanted to mention what a generous and of course, an incredibly gifted writer uh, he was. Uh, so just thinking of his, his family uh, during this time.
1: Yeah. What a, what a sad to- what a sad uh, turn of events there, right. And in in, 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 in the hype and celebration of the, of the world cup and all the fun and, you know, festivities and things that come around this is a, Really, really sad one, and uh, you know, really thinking of his family. Jeff, you're absolutely right. That's uh, that was that's a tough one. That was a tough one to stomach.
0: Well, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the online the top online resource. For all your sports information from live in-game betting, props and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join to make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B L E A V 5 0 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh Joe perfect segue here. Bet Online has the Chiefs favored by 10 over the Seahawks that team used to play uh, twice a year but now is a more infrequent opponent how do you see this uh matchup shaking up shaping up? well
1: yeah jeff i mean oh boy you know i haven't i you know my bet on mine uh, uh you know account is is dipping because <laughs> you know i keep going with these these big wins for the chiefs based on you know what you what you would think right historically against some of these teams right that the chiefs have been playing and um yeah, I mean the Seahawks are, you know, they're right now 50-50 team, right? They're 500 team. They're um, you know, they're they're playing decent football. They're they're, you know, they're 500 certainly better than, you know, some of the other teams. The Chiefs have played like the Texans, you know, 1 and 11 and 1 or whatever they were when they played them and you know, that's um, you know, that's uh that's a, that's a really tough um it's a tough one to say, are they going to beat them by 10? Are they just going to, are they going to play that complete game? And I, I, I think they're ready for it. And if, if, if they don't, then, then, you know, maybe we should start getting worried because, you know, this is it, this is, this is the time where, you know, I've been reading a lot and seeing a lot about the chiefs um, and how well they perform in November and December. And this hasn't really been the, the, you know, they, they usually, the gas pedal goes down and they just zoom into the playoffs and it just feels like they're kind of chugging into the playoffs, right? They're kind of, um, you know, they're kind of pedaling in, so to speak, on a bike as opposed to coming in on a race car. Um, but that's not to say, you know, when you look at some of the things the Chiefs are doing, Jeff, here's here's something that, that has me really excited. Right now, the Chiefs are out rushing their opponents, Um you know, they've they've run the ball, you know, almost ten to twelve more runs so far. Three hundred and fifty one runs for the Chiefs and three hundred and thirty-nine for their opponents. Would you ever have thought right, you know, uh, a a year ago or two years ago when the Chiefs were struggling with their own running game that they'd be out rushing uh by another and then and then from a yardage perspective, they're they're two hundred yards ahead of their opponents, uh sixteen hundred to fourteen hundred, and then they've got got you know 4.8 yards per rush against the 4.3 so the Chiefs are outrushing their opponents which I I never would have thought and and I think that's a testament to two things we've talked about or or at least the, the first thing we talked about is what the Chiefs have done to solidify the defense against the running game and I think they've done that and then you look at what they're doing with Isaiah Pacheco and McKinnon right coming out of the backfield Patrick doing it with his legs occasionally I mean they are I'm, that's what I'm most excited about. If you ask me, what is the one thing, of course, everybody wants to talk about Patrick and Travis and, you know, his incredible season he's having yet again. Uh, and, 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 and I really do like the way they've spread these receivers out, but I gotta tell you what warms a lineman's heart is, is the fact that they are rushing the ball now and they're running it with authority and they're running it with with like a purpose like they they are purposely their game plan is purposed around this running game and I think that is going to really benefit them when that when they do play that complete game and if the running game is still hitting on all cylinders look out because I think I think short of you know working on protecting the ball it's the thing I'm most excited about for this team right now
0: and I think for this game Joe I think that's really something to watch I really expect um, I actually think, I think that line is actually pretty high. I'm surprised with 10 points for a game that the Seahawks really need. I think the Chiefs win, but I think it's going to be under 10. Um, but that running game that you mentioned, I expect that to be one of the differences in the game for the Chiefs. They're really running the ball well, as you mentioned, and the Seahawks have the 29th ranked defense and they're particularly bad against the the run second to last in the league 31st overall against a run so i expect a lot of pacheco a lot of mckinnon um the other thing this kind of will be a fun matchup is watch that defensive line um frank frank clark i'm curious if he has a little bit of an edge going against his former team maybe you think so they didn't want him so they <clears throat> that's why they traded him to the chiefs also Car- carlos dunlap was on the seahawks last year i'm, I'm curious if those guys uh, have a little extra edge on them, Jill, What are you? What are you look What are you most interested in seeing matchup wise against the Seahawks?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's a great a great point, Jeff. And yeah, like no player wants to say again. I don't, I boy, do I have Marty's. You know uh sort of mantras just emblazoned into my brain um seahawks yeah
0: that makes sense you know you're it's it's seahawks week old school afc west
1: it it is seahawks was my first start go at the seahawks that was my first nfl start in in 1992
0: that's a rough place i imagine to uh as a as a road offensive lineman to be
1: yeah it was loud it was the old kingdom which you know randy cross used to say it was like putting a spaghetti pot on your head and banging it with a metal spoon that's how <laughs> loud it was in there because it was so small i mean it only sat about fifty-five thousand people but it had a you know it had a cement roof and um you know the seahawks uh you know uh fans at that time the seahawks were pretty good so they had you know had good turnout good good people showing up so i was um you know, I was really excited uh, that day. And I'll tell you why I was really most excited to play the Seahawks. Whenever we would go play the Seahawks, we would always bolt out of the locker room once we got there. And because every Seahawks game, they always had Little League games playing at the Kingdom prior to the Chiefs game. Or not the Chiefs game, but any game that the Seahawks wow. played. So they would always have local NFL or uh, local Little League teams playing. And I'm telling you, it, it was it used to make me realize – why I was doing what I was doing, you know, because, you know, after my first year and you're going in your second year, you're starting to get, you're getting used to being on the team and you're used to being part of a pro franchise and seeing those little kids staring up at those big lights above them and playing on that turf field with all their mismatched turf shoes, right. Cause they're all basically wearing sneakers, you know, cause back then turf shoes weren't like the norm, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you had to, you know, you had to have some, uh, you know, you had to know somebody to wear turf shoes as a kid. And and um I just remember seeing all those kids with their like Chuck Taylor, you know, Converse on, or they'd have their Nikes on and they're all different color shoes. And seeing those little kids out there absorbing the kingdom and absorbing being out on the Seahawks field was it used to warm my heart. And I said, so anytime I hear the Seahawks, that's the first two things I think of my first NFL start and going against you know Cortez Kennedy, Michael Sinclair uh some of the you know some of those players and then and then seeing those kids and sprinting out of the locker room to see those little kids play and then of course we'd come stand on the sidelines and then they're looking at the players they're like oh my god look at the size of these guys yeah. so it's just it was such a thrill and a treat to do that um i i just abs- i absolutely used to love it it, it wow. was so much fun
0: that's so cool joe two questions for you then um one was the kingdom the loudest venue you ever played in and two Tell me more about this Seahawk week when, uh, you know, Marty was making sure everyone wouldn't get uh, uh fumble. Were you supposed to? So all the running backs were holding the ball. Were you guys, like other players on the team, were you supposed to go up to Barry Word and Christian McCoy and kind of swat at them and, and yeah, take me through that in the
1: Yeah. Guy? Yeah. I'll start, I'll start with that. Yeah. That, that was, that was the goal. It was like, guys, they would just, everybody would, it was kind of like, I don't know if any of, any of our listeners or, or you, um, you know, sometimes remember, in and in, in sometimes in high school they would they would do where um, it was usually part of some uh, part of a life's uh, class where they would have babies in the class, or they would have like they would carry around an egg and it would simulate that you know it was you. I know my daughters did it. My daughters mm-hmm. at one point in their school in their school years, I guess it was through the health and phys ed program, they would have to take care of this baby that had all these sensors in it and it would cry and you know you had to take care of it and it had to sleep a certain amount of hours. But like I remember that people would walk around the school with these baby carriers, right? And that's basically what we were intending to do. We were people were carrying the, the footballs around like it was their baby, and then you know players in the locker room or meeting rooms would swat at it, you know, and on the field there would be everybody be it would be extra drills for. You know, you, swatting did a guy. You gun. ever
0: swatted, or were you too nice a guy? I could too nice a guy? Did you take? No, of course you wanted to make your team better. You know, you got to <laughs> listen. If you get any time, a lineman gets a chance for
1: glory. You know, and you and you get to you get to be the guy in the locker room that knocked the ball out of uh, Barry Word or, or Christian Okoye's arms. You know, you were you were gonna you were gonna go for it. You know, because you were trying to make the team better. You yeah. know, it was part of it was part of the fun, and 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 I think it was it. Listen, it. Think about it though. Just think about it from a, from a practicality perspective and how that's just getting into a running back's head, right? When you're walking around all day, holding the ball, four points of pressure, not knowing when somebody's going to come up and swat or poke from behind and poke that ball out. Um, You know, it's uh, it gets, it gets to you and it starts to create some muscle memory. Um, Maybe, like I said earlier in the show, maybe, maybe Andy needs to pull that Marty Schottenheimer page out of the playbook and and try that uh, just to, just to change it up. Cause you know that we can't continue to have those. Um was the kingdom the loudest going back to that question? Yeah, I mean I'd have to say you know like I don't know if this isn't the right term but like pound for pound, yeah, it it was probably the most acoustically challenging place um and to play especially as a lineman, you mm-hmm. know, tackle because it, the way that the, the noise reverberated off of the the, the small cement roof. I mean, if you go back and look at pictures of the kingdom, it wasn't really that big. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was almost like it was a, an indoor soccer stadium, right? It sat like 55,000, I think. And um, so it was really small and compact and the roof was pretty tight and it wasn't like the Astrodome or the Louisiana Superdome. I mean, those were cavernous And and it's just the way that the kingdom was built. It really was loud. I mean, did it, you know, was Arrowhead louder? I mean, it had to have been just because it had no roof. Mm-hmm. And if you can create those kind of decibel levels at Arrowhead with no roof. Yeah. I mean, pound for pound, it was probably the loudest because of the, the number of people that were in there and the fact that they had a roof. Yeah, it was, it was quite, it was quite challenging to play there. It was really, it was, it was, it was really hard. Plus, you know, I'm playing in an era where, you know, if we went shotgun, quarterbacks were still taking their like seven step drops off a shotgun. Like Dave Craig was like, you know, defensive lineman basically had a straight shot to him. He set up so far back in the pocket. And that was a challenge because you you couldn't even create that half of an oval, Mm -hmm. you know, around the quarterback. He he was, you know, Dave was so far back. It was like a straight shot. And uh, so it definitely created challenges for the tackles, you know, getting jump off the ball late because of the snap count and then having, you know, a different kind of a drop back quarterback back then.
0: Great stuff, great memories, Joe. So yeah, and I I got sidetracked. We got talking about all this old fun, old school stuff. Matchup to watch this game and and your uh, final final score prediction.
1: Well, I w- I would say based on the conversation we had earlier, I, I would say let's see how the line can do. Let's see how the line can do in this running game. Let's see if the line can open some holes. And that would be the first thing I would watch if I were a fan. Can the Chiefs dominate the line of scrimmage on the offensive side, and can they establish themselves as a team that can run the ball and use the running game to their, uh, you know, to their benefit, so that it can open things up for Patrick in the passing game? I think that's what I would watch on the offensive side. On defensive side, we have to keep our eyes on the this, this secondary, right? What, what's the secondary going to do? and can they establish some confidence this week and make some big plays can the safeties come up make some big plays can they can they establish themselves be able to play man to man consistently and you know not get beat and not make mistakes or you know not leave you know receivers wide open um, i think that would be what i would watch for uh for, for on defenses you know look at those individual matchups of the of the receivers and see how our d-backs are doing against them and my prediction how about you, Jeb? Well, let me ask you. How about you from a matchup perspective? Then I'll come. I'll flip back to my prediction, and you can do your prediction.
0: Yeah, matchup perspective. Uh, other than the other than, obviously, what I mentioned with the Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap going against their former teams. I'm also you mentioned the D backs. I'm really excited to see. You know, because the Seahawks are on a team that the Chiefs fans really get to see a lot, just being a different time zone, NFC West, and all that. Tariq Woolen is a really interesting guy, uh, leading the league in interceptions. Rookie, really tall, really fast. Um, used to be receiver. I'm I'm curious to see him against. The chiefs re- receivers but i like la- i i like the chiefs to win by about five i think 10 is really high uh and and right now the chiefs are kind of playing everyone close to the vest are still winning the seven uh division champs for the seven con- seventh consecutive year but uh i'm going chiefs by five
1: okay all right i i i i'm right there with you jeff i think i think they're going to win by a touchdown i don't think they're going to cover the spread i, I don't think uh-huh. Tends a lot, you know, and, and yeah. think unless, and it's going to be cold,
0: right? I mean, we that's know that. Going to be right? Actually, we that we didn't, might be. We didn't maybe, even talk even about the matchups to watch. Is that's that could the be weather factor? Yeah. Is the weather a
1: distraction? Does it? Does it? You know, does it? Does it slip slip away some of the confidence of of Harrison Bucker and the kicking game? Um, does it force the Chiefs to maybe run the ball even more than they they would already, even though we're out rushing their opponents right now? Um, you know. I think I think that's probably what's going to limit it to a seven point game. Not that the weather should be a distraction, but we all know it is. Come on. Like I, you know, I, I know football players want to be tough and macho and all that stuff, and they don't want to admit that the cold it's it's cold. I mean, come on, it's gonna it could be single digits and um you know that's tough it's tough to get a hold of the ball. It's it's tough to it's tough to for special teamers to to get out there and you know, having been on the sidelines, you know, trying to hang around the warm bench and and the heaters and then get out there in the cold, you know, for the every, for the everyday, for the all day players, the offensive line, defensive line, eh, you know, they're they're gonna be fine because you, you know, you get you get warm when you're playing. But uh, for the for the guys who who don't play all 60, 70 plays of of their, of their respective side of the ball, it's a distraction. I don't, I don't think anybody they'd be lying if they told you it wasn't.
0: Uh Joe, last couple minutes here. Coldest game you ever played at played
1: in. I'd have to say it probably was a toss-up between the AFC championship game, which I don't I'm trying to remember how cold that really was. Buffalo. But the coldest, the coldest that I yeah, the AFC Championship game in 93 against Buffalo, but I'd have to say the indie game that we lost mm. in the playoffs, the divisional yeah. playoff game right. were you know in 93 in 90 in 96 or 95 when we had home field throughout, like that, that probably, that, that may have been the one that may have been the one.
0: Well, stay warm out there, everyone. And happy holidays. If you enjoy this show presented by bet online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google play, stitcher, luminary, and tune in. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to believe.